on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We'll jump right into local college football by recapping OU's beatdown of Kansas. We also recap Oklahoma State's win over Kansas State. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap the marquee games of the weekend, including Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida, Georgia. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with a Monday night football snoozer between the Patriots and Jets. To finish up, we give you the latest update on when the Oklahoma City Thunder season will start in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 9th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night, right in the middle of a great football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. But this has been established, Teddy. This the schedule is the schedule. We record when we record when we record. Doesn't matter how good the Sunday night football game is. Thank God for DVR is all I can say. I'm with you. Um, however, the DVR at my home <laughs> probably would mess up. And I it, we're, we're now, I try not to bitch too much on here about it. Cause I know there's still people that don't have power. I know there's other people that don't have cable and internet here in the, in the state of Oklahoma, but the streak is now 13 days, Teddy, Oof. 13, Brutal. 13 days of, uh, of interrupted internet. And you want to know the most annoying part? This is the last thing I'm going to say about it. I promise this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. You want to know the worst part? What's that? It had been working today. Uh, but they we teased record- you a couple of times, right? It, it had been working a little bit today. We'd had some interruptions, but I was like, oh, you know, it, start- it, it seems like it's starting to find its footing, right? <laughs> and then, for those of you that don't know, we record this podcast at 8 o'clock sharp Sunday nights. About 7.35, Ooh. no internet, no cable. 
It's like someone hit the switch and went, you know what, Gabe? Fuck you, man. And I was like, okay, that's great. So I'm back at the mother-in-law's recording this. Uh, once again, my mother-in-law is a saint. So, yeah, but it, it, was, it was great until it was extremely frustrating, Teddy. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a little on edge. I'm a little on edge tonight. Understandable. Uh, now, how's your wife handle this? Is this she take it in stride, or is she kind of along the same line as you? So, she doesn't love it because she works from home a lot, and this is it's very annoying for her as well. Right. But so I didn't know I was getting some things together, about to head upstairs to start recording some of the stuff for the podcast, like the intro and all that stuff. And she just comes and puts her hand on my shoulder and goes, honey. And I go, yes. And she goes, uh, the internet just went out. And she like, <laughs> she, she, she broke the news to me so softly. It, it was so well done by her because she knows if I would have found out first, I would have just started yelling. So it was well done by her, but yeah, it's getting old, man. It's getting old. But once again, shout out to all the utility workers. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know what? You've got a good backup. That's, that's the best thing. You've got a backup plan here. You've been able to pull through. Shout out to mother-in-law. That's been great. So we'll pull through this thing. Yeah, we'll be fine. All right, Ted, let's get to the local college football. And it's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, Tag us in your social media post to let them know. Okay, so there was a football game played in Norman uh, on Saturday. Uh, OU beats Kansas 62-9 to in quite the final score. But I'll say this. Before we get into OU's side of things, I have never seen a team with less energy on a sideline than what I saw from Kansas before and during this football game. I, you can talk about wins and losses, and you, know, you can talk about Les Miles being a weird guy. That's the biggest indictment in my mind, was those kids, Ted, those kids weren't even engaged in the game. I've never seen anything like it, man. It was, it was unbelievable. And a lot of people are like, well, they don't have a chance to win. Still, like, that's usually when you see the most energy when a team comes to Norman, they, they may not have a chance to win, but like at least they fake the energy. Well, it was usually, so weird. Right. If you don't have a chance to win, well, you're usually cheer each other for small battles, right? Uh, defensively, a turnover, a stop, whatever it might be. They got that turnover from Spencer Rattler early and – You'd have thought they got a touchdown scored on them. No one did anything. They went straight to the sideline, sat on their benches. No excitement, no enthusiasm, nothing. So it is strange. I mean, it's a tough year. It really is. It's one thing to be uh, winless in a regular year. It's even worse to be winless 
in a season where you have to test, you have to do all these crappy protocols, can't see your family, can't see your friends. So I get it. It's a brutal season. But you'd still think that there would be some type of fake energy going on over there on the sidelines. So I don't know. It was – I'm with you. It was weird. Complete and utter lack of F.E., False enthusiasm, fake energy, whatever you want your FE to stand for, <laughs> Kansas didn't have it. All right, Ted, let's start with the OU offense. And I'm not sure how much we learned from them playing against that Kansas defense, but let's start with Spencer Rattler and did some good things, had that really bad interception, had the fumble, which the Sooners got back, but I don't really even care about talking about his play. I guess the only question is, how is that hip? Because for some reason, he felt the need to try to truck stick a guy going into the end zone when he could have just avoided him or dove on the ground. I don't know why he did that. And he paid the price. And after it happened, I mean, some of those throws late in the first half, the guy looked like he was going to collapse. Like looked like that thing was going to give out on him. I, I still don't understand it. I said it. I don't know how many times I said it on the broadcast. I got no clue why he came back in to play in that second half. I get it. You want to be tough and all those things. But, hey, I've had a bone bruise on my hip, and that is horrible. I I have no idea why we saw him again in that football game. But you you just wondered, Bedlam two weeks. All you're worrying about for Spencer Rattler, I, I don't even care about some of the bad decisions he made in, that, in this football game. I just care about that hip. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what the injury is. If it's, a, like if it's a hip point or a bruise on that hip bone, those can be brutal. Um, it almost, the more I watched him, it almost looked like it was maybe like an oblique or something. I don't, I don't know, but the most fascinating thing about the whole situation was Lincoln Riley. And I mean, I actually liked it, but he showed no concern at all over his injury ever. Not one second. Didn't look like he asked him about it. Didn't ask him, look like he asked him if he was feeling okay. You want to go back out there? It didn't look like there was ever a conversation about his injury. So I, I don't know what's going on there. If the head man doesn't seem too concerned about it, I'm not too concerned about it, but I get where you're coming from. It is weird, and my guess is if there wasn't a bye week afterwards, he would have been out as soon as there was any sign of of anything. But it still it was still was interesting. In a game where he definitely did not need to be going back in, there was nothing to prove or nothing to learn at that point. Yeah, he was like, ah, you're fine. Keep playing. I was like, why? <laughs> but, but why? But I, I just I, – I didn't understand. But, you know, those mistakes he made, uh, those are the things he hadn't been doing in the last couple of games. So, luckily, they've got the two weeks for that hip to get right and two weeks for him to, you know, maybe sit, watch that tape and go, oh, yeah, I can't do that. I can't turn the football over. So, which we'll is see. probably why he was still going in and playing. You know, it's like I agree. When you put bad stuff on film, 
the punishment is to continue to have to play in a route over Kansas. Yeah. Um, guy that played really well, continues to impress, right? And his second game back, Ramondre Stevenson, he's fantastic, man. He looks so elusive. He's got the patience. He understands the schemes. He's got great vision. That vision may be the most impressive thing yeah. from him so far this year. I, I don't remember him having that last year. I, I still don't think we've seen the first guy bring him down this year. I, you talk about making the first guy miss. He has been elite at that. Goes for 104 yards, two touchdowns. And this running game, even though the O-line was a little leaky, early in this game wasn't as smooth I I think Kansas was doing some things with some pressures that you know got them a little mixed up in their assignments but dude Ramon J Stevenson's legit now he is he's a player Ted he's great um and you mentioned that we haven't seen the first guy bring him down yet I agree and he either evades the first guy uh stiff arms him to the ground or runs through him I mean, and whenever you have those three or runs around him, I guess, without even putting a move on, when you have the ability to do all of the above, it makes it that much more difficult to tackle a guy. I mean, if you're just a, like a downhill runner, that's all you do at 245 pounds, those safeties and backers, guys that are coming up to tackle, they bring in everything they've got. But if you've got some shake, you got to throttle a little bit. You can't bring everything you got or he'll just make a move and you'll go flying past. So with all those different things that, that he does and does at an elite level, it makes it, makes it really difficult to tackle him. He's, he looks great, man. He's even catching some balls and, and looking good out of the backfield, backfield in the receiving game. So I, he, he looks great. I was hoping he'd lift up the jersey again with like a new – funny shirt like just a funny saying it like i'm here to stay or something like instead of i'm back i don't know that was still here but still here guys like just something really stupid like that would have been fun but yeah you mentioned that uh on one of those touchdowns there was a there was a db from kansas that could have you know tried to force a collision at the goal line and that guy was like ah you know i'm good nope i don't hey i don't blame you at all um especially at this point in the season for them. If it's a difference between a win or a loss, possibly, absolutely. You take one for the team. But, oh, you're down 40. No, no, you just go ahead and dance on in there, big guy. Here's the thing. If he continues to play like this, he's gone to the league, right? There's no Unfortunately, question. I definitely agree with you because right now he looks like an NFL running back out there. I, yeah. The one thing about him – I think he can definitely get in better shape. Uh, I think he can work on his body composition a little bit. Now, you could also say, well, he'll do that getting ready for the draft and all that stuff, and I think that's true. Uh, I I think that if he takes his diet a little more seriously, he takes his workout routine a little more seriously, we could see him get even better now. Does he want to do that at Oklahoma, or does he want to do that while he's getting paid playing in the National Football League. I mean, that's, that's up to him, but I'm with you. I, the one question I have for him is, in a straight line, how fast is he? Like, right. is he a four six five guy? Does he just check the box there and you go, okay, we're good? 
I, I think that's somewhere around where he's at. I, I, I would think he's a low four sixes guy, even though I think he may play faster than that. It's just kind of the numbers that have been floated around from that strength staff. So I don't know. But yeah, I think well, if I mean, he keeps doing what he's doing, he's gone. He, I, I don't, he's not going to be a first round running back. Those are starting to be very, very few and far between these days. He's not going to be a first round running back. He's probably a third round guy which is, you know, for a running back these days, if you're in the second or third round, that means you're pretty dadgum good. And if he, if he leaves after this year, I think it would be the same as if he left after next year. Although I think next year's football team is really good and has a chance to win a championship. Maybe he can draw some big-time attention on, a, on that type of run. But I don't know how much there is for him to gain coming back for another year as far as draft position. Now, I would tell you that as a player, I didn't care about draft position. I wanted to go win, so that was always the most important thing to me. Yeah, Maybe but that's you're weird. <laughs> that's, that's true. Admittedly so. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he's – I would say that if he keeps playing this way, he's probably gone, which yeah, I'm with good you. for him, but dang, it would be nice to have him next year. I completely agree with that, but also probably, you know, it's probably time for OU staff to start looking around, you know, maybe a couple of the bad teams across the country in the power five, maybe see if there's any star running backs that would maybe, you know, want to come contribute to a a team that definitely has a good chance of going to a college football playoff next year. It's probably, probably about time to start a, you know, sniffing around for one of those guys. Boy, next year, and that's something that we haven't even talked about really, is with the new transfer rule kicking in in January, I believe, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. We're going to lose a bunch of guys, I bet, and we're going to gain some guys, I bet. It's weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird to see how that whole thing works free out. A- it's like college free agency. It's going to be kind of awesome. I'm not going to lie. It will be. It's going to be exhilarating. A few notes on the wide receivers. A ball got spread around to a lot of guys. It was good seeing Jaden Hazelwood out there. Uh, They tried to force feed him a little bit. Didn't probably go as well as they thought it was going to go, but he did get get some time there. Looked good. Uh, Was moving well. But once again, the big question when you're talking about the pass catchers is uh, how bad is that? Injury to Austin Stogner. I mean, he got drilled right in the quad knee area, and he was limping bad. I mean, he was in street clothes on the sideline in the second half with a bad lip. You're hoping it's just, you know, a deep thigh bruise. But once again, that hurts so bad. Horrible. A deep thigh bruise is so horrible, man. Um, And – those can last for a couple of weeks. So if you say how deep fibers, he'll be back for Oklahoma State. I would say probably, but that's not a guarantee, man. Sometimes those take a long time to come back from. But the way he was moving and he was able to go over and get on the bike in the second half, you know, I feel like and it, it, it's another one where they didn't seem like they were too concerned about you know, anything structurally, like he had any type of major uh, joint damage or anything. So, 
may have dodged one there. I mean, that's a play where you could easy, easily see a guy get his knee blown out. So, um, which, you know, that's the dangerous – that's the other dangerous part of the targeting stuff that a lot of people don't talk about is those guys either go high and get ejected or go low, and they're going to go low. And most guys, receivers will tell you, come high. I, I would rather take it high than in the legs. So, um, yeah, that's – I don't know. It's unfortunate. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Again, I'm just reading the body language from everyone on the sideline was one of those that they didn't seem too concerned about but you never know yeah you just once again with how big of a weapon he was in that KU game and then how big a weapon he has been all season you just you got to have that guy for Bedlam yeah right which I'll tell you the big thing the big change with Stogner and I love what they've started to do started to throw it vertically to him where those guys have their backs to the football it makes it so much more difficult whenever you're guarding a guy at six six. You know, whenever they're he's running the lateral stuff side to side, he's still a good dangerous weapon. But, you know, when people are sitting back in zone coverage, it's easier whenever you can have your eyes on the quarterback, see him coming across, anticipate it. But when you're in man to man or even zone if you're carrying a seam and you don't know where the football is and you're trying to run with that big dude, that's brutally tough. Yeah. I guess just to wrap up the offense, ran it efficiently, spread it around in the past game, scored 62 points against a really shitty football team. Uh, clearly, you don't want to have the turnover, but I uh, thought Mordecai and Morris did some good things. Morris is exciting, man. He, he's excited he when he comes in there. But other than that, really no complaints. So let's move on to the defense. Let me ask you something real quick. Ooh. You don't have to spend any time on it, but is Morris a better backup quarterback than Mordecai? Yes. Right? I think so, too. I, I, I think his ability to run – I mean, they called a QB uh, – the, the touchdown he scored, they called yeah. a QB – I mean, that's a called QB lead run, and the kid can go a little bit. And, Teddy, the staff told us about the rocket that is – attached yeah. to that kid's right arm and Mordecai th this is what I'll say about Mordecai he did some good things in that game but he never looks calm ever in the pocket like he's back there like it, I don't know it there it's not happy feet like he's stuttering them it's like happy hops he's like right. mini hopping the entire <laughs> time it just I'm like calm down and then Morris goes out there and looks he, he looks cool as a cucumber it's easy to be cool as a cucumber when you're a four or five guy, or what? I don't know what he runs, but he looks like he is smoking fast. You want uh, you you want a prediction that is probably going to make some people mad? Go ahead. Chandler Moore is going to be starting quarterback next year, not at Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think he's I, that good. And what you mentioned the transfer rule—that's yeah. a guy that someone's going to say, "Hey, come start for us," and he's going to be like, "Huh." Eh. You got right. You got Rattler, and then you got Caleb Williams coming in. I mean, if you're Chandler Morris, you're going. Yeah, I'm going to go there and go start. I'll see you guys right. later. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's really good. I think he's, like you said, calm back there. And the last thing is, if if you're in a a situation where you have to go to your backup quarterback, it's a lot easier and safer when you have a guy that you can run. You know, and tell him if 
one look, if it's not there, run it. You know, don't try and read things out, get hit in the pocket, fumble the ball, throw it to the other team. So, no, I agree with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I think we both agree that Chandler Morris, he's a lot of fun. He's just a lot of fun. Um, all right, Teddy, you know, I always defer to you on the defense, but I will say this. As a former offensive lineman, I, I was embarrassed for Kansas's offensive line. Embarrassed. I, I have never seen a quarterback under more pressure than Jalen Daniels was in that football game. I like I, there, there's a little like there's a community of people that played in the O line. Like you, you're like you're rooting for them a little bit, even when they're playing your team. You know, you're like, you know what? I hope those guys have a decent game. Like I hope they get their ass kicked. But like, I just felt bad for them, man. I I've never seen like we're talking a power five team. Like, Kansas is a Power 5 team. And at, it's safe to say that Missouri State's offensive line was better than theirs. It's, I, I, I can definitely say that. They were brutal. Absolutely terrible. Other than that, Teddy, your thoughts on what the defense did? Well, the defense is – they're playing great, and it all starts with the defensive line, obviously. Whenever they're getting to the quarterback like they did on Saturday, it makes life easy on everyone on the back end. Those – Secondary guys can play super tight on receivers. Linebackers don't have to worry about double teams sifting up to the next level. It's just you're trying to run ball and get ball if you can actually have a chance to beat a defensive lineman to it. So defensively, they look great. I mean, there's nothing really to nitpick there. It was fun seeing some of the younger guys out there. Gosh, we saw a bunch of linebackers, pretty much everyone on the roster. Uh, They all look good. We saw tons of guys on the back end. I thought they all played for the most part pretty good we're we're better tackling football team than we were three four five weeks ago for sure and um, you know the most exciting thing for me about the defensive line is it's not one guy it's not Ronnie Perkins alone it's not uh, Perry and Winfrey alone they're like seven guys deep and all of them can make plays Benito's started to play a lot better so man I I love what I see right now now here's the thing TCU, Tech, and Kansas, probably three of the worst offenses we're going to see this year. Um, Tech had some stuff. We we saw what they were capable of, but that game got away from them. And Duggan is like a one-trick pony there with with TCU. Oklahoma State's going to be a totally different animal. Um, You know, they're going to have an answer for your defensive line getting to the quarterback. They're going to throw quick game. They're going to go RPO. They're going to throw bubbles and tunnels. Um, you know, they're, they're going to run the ball way more effectively than what we've seen here recently. So it's going to be totally different against Oklahoma State. But all that being said, I mean, against Kansas, they were, they were really good. Gave up a late touchdown. Other than that, they were nails. Yeah. Nine sacks. Uh, Which had the, two- the, the way they called plays for Jalen Daniels was ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, they actually had a little bit of success running the football, but they didn't do it. I mean, he, whenever your quarterback can't even get an RPO off to a slot but without getting drilled, you shouldn't be doing it, <laughs> you know? I saw a couple – like, their left guard is like 390 pounds. Big boy. 
about the only thing. There was a couple of double teams. I don't know if you saw them, but they doubled a couple of times, and I mean, blew us off the ball. <laughs> but you know, I would have been following him with some run and try and get your quarterback into maybe a third and five or third and seven instead of a third and thirty-five, like they had over and over and over. So. I don't know. That that whole game was frustrating to watch. I can't imagine that poor quarterback. He's still sore today, brutally sore. I guarantee it. Yeah, and now his yeah, ankle's we thought his messed hip up. Was, was ankle, the way he was laying there holding his leg, I thought his hip was out of socket. That was crazy. I, I think it, at some point, like, he was laying there, and you're right, his leg looked a little weird. I think he was like, guys, I just need a minute. Like, just just give me a minute. I need to lay here just for a second. Like, I need just a short, brief me break. <laughs> like, I felt so bad for Jalen Daniels. That was unreal. But uh, defense, you know, the two turnovers again, right? The interceptions. And Teddy, it looks like they're continuing to build. So that that's the most positive thing, right, is they didn't let up when they were playing Kansas. They, they didn't drop their level of play to the level of the opponent, which – Sometimes in the past, like that, this defense is done. And I, I thought they completely avoided that. I agree 100%. And the depth on this team starts starting to look really good, too. With Norwood starting to finally get caught up and hitting his stride, um, you've got an extra safety back there. He can play the nickel. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like what I see defensively. Um, the, what they've done the last three games is about as good as you can ask for. But – they got their work cut out for them. If if they feel like they've arrived and don't put in the work, Oklahoma State can uh, put some points up. So, no, that's I'm I'm looking forward to see how they play against a, a legitimate offense. Yeah, I think we all are. All right, Ted, let's move on to call your shot, and that's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked for your boldest takeaways from OU's beatdown win over Kansas. And we're going to go with the one we got from at Alvin Mac 55. Nice. Yes. Uh, Alex, even though his handle is at Alvin Mac 55, I don't know. Okay, whatever. But, and his picture is Kobe. Oh, this is all very confusing. <laughs> but he says, Oklahoma's front four has not only become the best in the Big 12, but you can make a case for them being as good as anyone in the country, Teddy. Yeah. 
I mean, as of right now, I'm okay with that. I mean, if we really dig down, we can probably find a group better, but I'll take Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even name Alabama's front four guys, but I know they're all really good. <laughs> but the way this, this group is playing right now, I really like them. I think Winfrey, if he can find some consistency, I mean, that dude is – I mean, he's got the capabilities to be a first-round type of talent. Um, I, I have one large criticism of him. I'm with you. You don't get guys that have that combination of size, power, and speed a lot. If he would use his hands just a little more, because when he presses guys, when he locks them out and throws them, like he can do it. I've seen him do it. I think he's gotten a little too comfortable with the arm over, the swim, and doing that in the run game. Like At some point, you can't just swim every time when they're running the football. Like you have to play with technique, use your hands, press their chest, disengage. Like, and he can do it. I just think they're they're so caught up in getting penetration, getting in the backfield, all that stuff that sometimes it's to their detriment in the run game. They get out of their gaps, they get washed because they're not using their hands enough. Do you know what I mean? Or am I crazy? Yeah. No, I know what you you mean. Um, you know, some of that stuff is built into the scheme that they fire off, and if they get if they're getting a reach, they just keep penetrating, go backside of it, and define it right now for the backer behind them. So some of that is in the scheme, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and I agree. I'd rather a guy fight like hell and lock out and stay in his gap um, than always swimming backside, taking the path of least resistance. Because at the end of the day, you don't see that in the NFL hardly ever. No. I mean, you'll, you'll sometimes have a, like a gap it call on a guy versus a, a zone team where he just, he's just straight up the field. But that, it's rare. So I'm with you, and that would, that would help him a lot as far as uh, the next level. But Isaiah Thomas is playing great. Perry on Winfrey's playing good. Ronnie Perkins. Benito, his get-off is really starting to come around. I mean, it's the best four, straight across four, that we've had in a long time. Completely and agree with that. I'll leave it right there. I mean, as far as everyone else in the country – I don't watch everyone else in the country near enough to know what their strengths and their weaknesses are. Like if I watch them on a Saturday night, they probably look really good. But whenever I watch (laughs) them every single game and watch the film, I'd probably think they suck sometimes too, you know? Yeah. That's how it works. That's how it works. All right, Ted, let's uh, talk one more thing college football wise. And that is Oklahoma state going to Manhattan and beating Kansas state. What? 20 to 18. What a weird score, but good win for the Cowboys, especially with how this one started. Uh, They just could not do anything offensively, and that defense, they they did have some trouble giving up big runs to Will Howard, who turns out that kid has wheels. Man, he's going to be a problem here in the next few years. He is, and I mean – 
what's crazy is Kansas State lost the game because of the turnovers. That's not Kansas State. It's crazy. That weird fumble, he fumbled it right into the gut of a guy. Okay, so I was going to get to that, but so they, I, I heard some people calling it a scoop and score. And by the way, the, the gut it landed in, pride of Carl Albert, Jason Taylor, right? I think he's a, I think yeah. he's a titan. But is it still a scoop and score? If there's no scoop involved, right? Because the scoop is you scoop it off the ground. This hits Jason Taylor straight in the stomach, and he catches it and runs what like 85 yards for a touchdown. Like they were calling it a scoop and score, but there's no scoop. That's interesting. It was more like a pick six than it was. Anything, but it was it a was- fumble, but it never left. Like it never touched the ground. No, and it, I mean, it. the guy caught it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess technically it is a scoop and score. It's a fumble return for a touchdown, but, I mean, you're right. But He's there was scooping. no scoop, damn it. <laughs> it's a fumble return for a touchdown. There That's you go. Okay. That's I'd what we'll call it. it. But that but, was crazy to see that, that play. I mean, that. that's a 14-point swing, man. Yeah, completely agree. And I – I mean, I, I watched this game after I got home from working the OU game, and I watched the first half, and I was like, how the hell did Oklahoma State win this game? <laughs> I mean, they couldn't do anything offensively in that first half, and it must have been one hell of a halftime speech from Mike Gundy. Now, I know what, Chuba gets banged up in the game. Tylen Wallace didn't even play, which is clearly a huge deal for that offense, but I mean, in that second half, Spencer Sanders and that offense made just enough plays to win this thing. And LD Brown, he had some huge runs, Uh, put that one guy in the spin cycle. That was pretty cool, but that guy is good. And then the Oklahoma state defense, when they needed them, and we've seen it from them a couple times this year, right? When they need to get stops in the second half, they got stops, including the scoop and score that was not scooped. <laughs> so I, I was I was pretty impressed because they just really they really didn't play that well, right. and they went to Manhattan, which is not an easy place to play, and they got it done. Now it was a little exciting, right? They give up that touchdown run to Will Howard, uh, but they get to him on that two point conversion, strip the football. And then it gets – But they got the ball back. Yeah, I it mean, got really exciting at the end. That's why I was like, Justin, how many chances are they going to give Kansas State? But they get I thought the, the game was over. the game. And then I look up at the TV and I'm like, wait, Kansas – not only did they get the ball back, but they got the ball back with like a minute and a half to go and had a chance to go down the field. But uh, young quarterback made the young quarterback mistake and threw the interception to lose it, which was uh, – Really bad play, but I'm with you. It looks like the Howard kid is going to turn into a, a pretty good player there at some point. If if he can find some more consistency throwing the football, and he's a big dude, right? And they were really excited about him. He's a big-time recruit. A lot of people may not realize that, but he can run. And if he can find some more confidence in the passing game, that dude's going to be a problem. He just yep. is. He is – he is like 
a more athletic Colin Klein. Yeah. Is he that big? Klein was like 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he's like, I think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Big wow. kid. Freshman. <laughs> awesome. So, That'll be fun. <laughs> so, we'll see. But, uh, okay, looking at the AP poll for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State stays at number 14, and Oklahoma up to number 18 in the AP poll. So, both state schools still representing. But, you know... I don't know how much higher they're going to get than that with everything that's going on in the country. I think they're, they're going to hover around there. So we'll see. All right, Ted, let's move on to the national college football roundup. And that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, Ted, let's, uh, let's recap some of these really good games from the weekend, and you got to start with number one, Clemson, at number four, Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish get it done, 47-40 in double overtime. And this was one hell of a football game, except for all of the reviews. Oh, oh. my gosh. Exhausting. That overtime was – I mean, and most of them were, like, not worth reviewing. You know what I'm saying? Did they just – were they scared they were going to mess something up? I, I guess. I, I mean, it's like the biggest game of the year so far, and you probably have more eyeballs maybe than any other game so far this year, and they'd hate to – ruin it on a on a bad call but my god you know most of those like i'm fine with reviewing it but it should take like a 30 second pause in the action on most of those now some of them are difficult i get that but my goodness like that last touchdown i think i think it was the last one in overtime it's like that's a touchdown just someone look at it for three seconds and say yeah we're good boys kick it yeah uh, everyone was annoyed, especially the people that were really wanting to see Saturday Night Live with Dave <laughs> Chappelle. I was one of those people. I think Dave Chappelle's like the funniest guy on the planet. But, okay, this is, this is the reality of it for me uh, when I look at this game. Clemson went on the road against a really good football team with a backup quarterback and several defensive starters that didn't play in the game and then a couple other starters on defense that got hurt during the game and they lost in double overtime. So I, I, I think Clemson's still a pretty damn good football team. But the one thing about Notre Dame, they did not look out-athleted in this game, which is when, when they have gotten to the college football playoff or played those elite teams, that's kind of been the issue. But that's not the way it looked on Saturday night. And then, of course, you got to give Notre Dame a ton of credit, especially that offensive line and that defensive line, because Notre Dame's defensive line, they dominated that football game. 
Clemson had 34 yards rushing. Travis Etienne, who a lot of people consider to be the best running back in all of college football, had 28 yards rushing. And that huge mistake on the pitch that he dropped. Notre Dame picked it up for a touchdown, that whole sequence. Jeez, that's two plays. Is that back-to-back weeks where he's had a fumble? Yeah. I mean, I think he's fantastic, but you know as well as I do, if if stuff like that happens, it's going to start to hurt you on draft day a little bit if you keep fumbling the ball in those big big moments like that. But you look at Uyunglele, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, I, I know that Uyunglele is not Trevor Lawrence, but I guess the biggest criticism would be maybe the sacks he took in the second overtime, but I, I really don't know what the big guy was supposed to do. Those guys were back there pretty quick, but he's definitely – he's going to be a star. He's going to be a guy that yeah. may win the Heisman Trophy. He, he's an absolute stud, but the I mean, best his thing about this – mistake is maybe dropping the uh... – uh, curse words right there on live television. Whatever they, <laughs> but other than that, I thought, I thought you know, for a guy in his first start, um, I mean, he didn't look like a freshman that had had, you know, about, you know, just a tiny bit of experience out there. He looked like a seasoned guy that knew how to take care of the football. Yeah, I thought he was really good, but the Notre Dame offensive line was better. Yeah, they're good. Those boys are good. Yep. I mean, that that is a talented veteran physical group and Kyron Williams had a nice night on the ground because of those guys and Ian Book he's he's not the best passer I've ever seen but that dude's got some athleticism and he is a competitor that's what he is he's like a more athletic Sam Ellinger to me now I think he spins it better than Ellinger but it, it's kind, they're kind of the same type of guy in my yeah, mind. He, he run, I think he's a, he's a better runner in a sense that he, I think he's faster. And Agreed. I, I think he's got like more move, moves in the open field. Ellinger's just going to barrel forward. You know, he's, he's going to straight north and south, which is fine. But, you know, if it wasn't for that play where Book's about to run into the end zone and bobbles it and fumbles it, he would have had a hell of a night. I mean, Agreed. that that was a big, and they may have blown the game open at that point. Yeah, that was that was a huge play in that game, but it was also a really impressive drive, right, for Notre Dame to force overtime, and then I think Clemson's inability to run the ball really showed up in overtime, and it was it was a hell of a win for Notre Dame. And the kids stormed the field, and everyone was like, oh, no. Oh, no, why are they doing that? (laughs) I mean, Teddy, that picture of all those gold helmets in the middle of thousands of students, it it has to give the coaching staff so much anxiety. They're like, we've done everything right. We just beat the number one team in the country. Now half our team's going to have coronavirus. I'm surprised there wasn't. You know how, like, whenever they storm the field, they usually start pepper spraying people to keep them out of there. I'm surprised they weren't spraying, like, aerosol, uh, you know, virus killer or something out there all over the field. It was, uh, that was pretty interesting. And I'm the same way. It's like, hey, I'm glad I'm, everyone's excited. You know, you won a big game. 
But at the end, it's just, don't you know that every, this is just how it works. If their next test tomorrow or whenever it is, they've got a guy or two guys that are positive. I mean, it's just, that's, that is going to be the story. That specifically story, like they could have got it from an af- a party after the game or maybe from a player from Clemson. You know, you never know where it actually came from. But if someone actually tests positive, they're going to go directly to that storming of the field and it's going to be a nightmare. Even so, I was texting with Mike Golick Jr., friend of the show, uh, during that entire game, especially during that second half. And when they stormed the field, all I sent was, Oh no. He was like, guys, like the, the, the pandemic, but like, it's also, it's awesome. Cause of the win, it, it was one of those things where I was watching it and I was like, yes, that's awesome. That feels normal. You just beat the number one team in the country. And then you were like, Oh no, the pandemic, the spiking numbers around the country. It was like every Notre Dame fan had the same two reactions where they were like, that's awesome. Oh no. <laughs> It was, it was, it'll be so funny if they lose to Boston college next week, by the way, I hope they don't. I hope they don't, but this does set up the dream scenario for the ACC because it's likely we see these two teams play each other in the ACC championship game and Notre Dame winning this one creates a very real scenario that if, they go to the ACC championship game and they play Clemson really, really close. Of course, Trevor Lawrence will be back, that whole thing. But if they play them really, really close in the championship game and Notre Dame loses, you know, by a field goal or something, then the committee will have to take a long, hard look at putting Notre Dame in. Uh, It's just, I, I think that's, that is going to be a very real scenario at the very end of this season, Ted. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, that's exactly right. Um, I guess the nightmare scenario for the ACC is if Notre Dame and Clemson play and Notre Dame beats Clemson's ass and uh, takes the trophy and goes to the college football playoff and Clemson's left sitting there like, well, what do we do now? I mean, when's the last time they were – have they missed a playoff? When's the last time they weren't in it? That – and you have been hoping that that exact scenario takes place for, it feels like months now. There's a little bit of a, maybe a closet Notre Dame fan uh, deep down inside. So yeah, there's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating scenario and, Notre Dame belongs. You could see in that football game, and I know Clemson had some guys out, but they belong. Their defense is uh, got some really good players there. Offensive line, dude, that big tight end, eighty-seven, is okay. a beast. He's a freshman. <laughs> wow, I mean, he's that... a fret. I looked at, so I, I was like, damn, eighty-seven looks. I was like, that guy's going to be the next like borderline first round tight end pick. For Notre Dame, like, let me – so I looked him up and I was like, no way. Dude wow. is a freshman from Kentucky. <laughs> and I, Mike Tirico, I, it, did you hear him? Because his last name's Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. Yeah. He, he, he worked in like a Pete Buttigieg joke into the broadcast because he was like, this isn't the only 
fresh or like freshman bear from South Bend. I was like, oh wow, Tarico, that is that is a reach, man. But by the <laughs> way, Mike Tarico play by play is unbelievable. I love he's the best. him. He's he's fantastic. But yeah, that guy's gonna be a star. That guy book it right now. The mayor kid, the tight end from Notre Dame, he'll be a first round pick. Wow. Yeah. Independence, Kentucky. Yeah, he's he's legit, man. Um, he looks just like Tyler Eifert did whenever you guys played him. Yeah, freshman. It's crazy. Going to be a stud. Okay, let's move on to the other big game of the weekend. And I told you, I told you, Teddy. You know offense that. greater than defense. Florida puts 44 on Georgia and beats them 44-28 and – I, I'm not going to lie. Georgia went up 14 to nothing, including that long Zamir White touchdown on the first play of the game, and I wasn't <laughs> feeling very good about my prediction, Ted. But Florida's defense, they made some adjustments, and they essentially dared Stetson Bennett and then Dewan Mathis when they made the switch to beat them throwing the football. I dared them to push it down the field, and they just couldn't do it. Man, and, and Kyle Trask continues to play really good football. He had some fantastic throws in this one, and, and Florida's wide receivers took turns making fantastic catches, and they did a lot of that damage without Kyle Pitts, who was awesome early in this football game. But then, Teddy, that collision, Ooh. oh, mama. That may be – the most violent collision I've ever seen in college football. Now, there's probably some that I'm just forgetting, and someone could say, well, what about this one? And I'd say, okay. But whenever I saw that for the first time, my jaw hit the floor. That was insane. The first time I saw it, I just let out a string of expletives. (laughs) I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, no, that's Kyle Pitts. Is he okay? Because – and – he was not okay. And it makes sense that he was not okay. Ooh. Well, the guy that hit him looked like he was out on top of him. Um, you remember when I told you whenever they played Auburn that Bo Nix tried to get his wide receiver killed? I think that's the same guy that blew that guy's helmet into 15 pieces and got ejected. I mean, that was that was nuts. Yeah, wow. but before Kyle Pitts got knocked out of the game <laughs> – he did have quite the impact, a couple of really big catches, the touchdown. Uh, but let's, let's hope he's okay because he's one of the best players in all of college football. He's, mm-hmm. he's spectacular. But, Ted, that Florida offense went through that banged-up Georgia defense like a hot knife through butter. And I think the argument can be made that that Florida offense is the best in the country. I mean, I have to, have to think about it a, lit, a little bit. Now that Waddle's out, for Bama, I mean, Bama's right up there as well. If if OU keeps playing the way it's playing, it's got an argument. Um, but Kyle Trask, I, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, he's, he's good. I don't have a vote, but he's firmly in the Heisman Trophy race now, man. He, he's yeah. been great. Yeah, he, he's definitely in the hunt. And after, you know, it matters who you play well against. I mean, we can talk about the Wilson kid out of BYU and his numbers. Uh, you know, they had a great win on Friday night. But it matters whenever you go up against what a lot of people believe is the number one defense in the country, elite defense. And 
just shred them for all kinds of numbers. What Trask ended up with over four bills, right? Yeah, I mean, just football. had a massive day thrown. So the ball. it matters who you're playing against whenever you you put up those those massive numbers. So, yeah, he's definitely in the race right now with Trevor Lawrence out. Um, I mean, you've, it's a real it's a thin group, honestly, this year. Um, I don't even – I don't know. Like Ian Book, his numbers aren't going to be near what anyone else's are, but I think beating Clemson at home at least keeps him somewhere hanging around in the, in the, the back end and if guys make some mistakes and lose football games. But, yeah, with that win, Kyle Trask is definitely in the Heisman race. Trask, 474 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and that one was returned for a touchdown. So technically five touchdowns. Nice. Five touchdowns for our man Cal Trask. But I – and I know that they were supposed to have Jamie Newman, and he opted out, and we still haven't gotten the details from that story. I wonder what happened there. Uh, we could talk about the Justin Fields situation, but the fact that Georgia doesn't have a quarterback is mind-blowing. With the way that they recruited, Ted, it is – it's insane that they don't have a more capable guy than Stetson Bennett. And, and we've, we've had a lot of fun with our boy Stetson on the podcast, but you saw his deficiencies mm-hmm. in that football game. And uh, they, I, I just can't believe they don't have someone better. I, I really don't, don't know how they don't have someone that's more talented. No, I'm with you. Um, I think a lot of it, has to do with kind of their style a little bit. I mean, yeah, but Munkin was supposed to get him out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's it's fascinating that they. I, I I'm with you on the Newman deal. I mean, they talked this thing up and uh, that transfer, big guy, athletic guy, was supposed to be fantastic. Other than him just sucking and like was not nearly what they thought he was going to be. You know, and JT Daniels is kind of like, you know, there's a reason he left USC, you know. How bad has JT Daniels been in practice? Like, that's what I want to know. I don't know. Maybe they're not comfortable putting that guy out there after they saw what that mustache looked like whenever he was at USC. Nice. But I have no idea. I mean, it's a problem. You can't play multiple quarterbacks throughout a season and expect to accomplish anything. You just can't. Yeah, and both quarterbacks they played against Florida were equally shitty <laughs> in their different ways. Dewan Mathis, he didn't do much when he got his opportunity either, but at least he can run around a little bit. Yeah, you're right. in trouble whenever your starter gets hurt and you're forced to put your backup out there. I mean, that's always a bad thing, but you're – definitely screwed whenever you bench a guy and then the guy you you're you have to put a guy out there to try and save the day and he's there's a reason that guy's not playing and he's now trying to save your ass no they're like no stetson stetson got banged up you know you know (laughs) and you're like no you benched him and then you brought him back because the other guy was bad it it was it was not not a good situation there for georgia offensively a couple of other notable results from the weekend Indiana, man, they controlled things the entire way. Beat Michigan 38-21. It's Indiana's first win over Michigan since 1987. Teddy, 
I know you love Jim Harbaugh. How does Michigan – and it, was, it, like, it wasn't even close, man. I know. It wasn't. wasn't close. I don't know. I, I, hey, I wish I had an answer for you. I have no idea. I have no clue how Michigan with – their talent is – they don't have Ohio State talent. They don't have Alabama or Clemson talent, but they got good talent. How they go into Indiana and get pounded like that after a after losing a game to an in-state rival, and it's like this should be like, oh my God, we've got to play better, and everyone like comes down, puts their best effort out there. It's like they just don't have it. I have no idea, no idea, especially after Milton, how good he looked in their opening game. I mean, you're back to the same problem you've had with Michigan since Harbaugh got there. Not even just since Harbaugh got there. Honestly, since Tom Brady left in like 99, they don't have a quarterback. They cannot find a quarterback there to save their lives. It's bizarre. Now, I will say this. I I don't think Indiana's an elite team, but – I do think they're good, and I do think that they have gained a ton of confidence. And a good team that has a lot of confidence, that can be a very dangerous football team, Ted. Look out because a bunch of – you know, everyone's always – you you can't play Power 5 Division 1 football and not get embarrassed if you're not locked in and focused. Like, every team is, for the most part, locked in and focused. But all of a sudden, you're 3-0 and in the Big Ten for the first time since the 80s at Indiana. And you're not just 3-0. and You knocked off Michigan and Penn State. Like, all of a sudden, everyone around that team thinks they're going to win the damn national championship this year. So they're going to be ready every single week. You're going to get the best effort. They are going to lock in like nothing you've ever seen throughout practice during the week. So, yeah, this is a fun story, man. The Big Ten, if you're not going to be, you know, have someone other than Ohio State challenge for it, let's let's get a fun story going. And Indiana right now is definitely that. Uh, Penix is the real deal. He's fun, man. He's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. And the Indiana Hoosiers are ranked 10th in the AP poll. Wow. 10th okay uh another game BYU uh Friday nighter against Boise State on the Smurf turf beat the hell out of Boise State 51-17 and then Texas A&M Teddy I think it may be time for us to uh give them some credit because they're starting to play some really good football they give South Carolina an absolute whooping 48-3 48-3 to three on their own field. That was impressive. Kellen Mond's playing well. And when you look at that, you look at that schedule, 9-1, and one, very doable. Uh, it's, we're going to keep, keep an eye on te- Texas A&M because I know a lot of people still think that they're going to pull an A&M at some point and lose a game they shouldn't. But that looks like a really good football team to me. I don't know about you, but Isaiah Spiller, that dude's the truth. And, man, they look good. It doesn't feel 
good saying that Texas A&M looks really good, but it's what my eyes tell me. Well, I mean, it's true. They've got a ton of talent. They've got a really good offensive line. They've got really good skill position guys. The biggest difference, though, is Kellen Mond is finally playing like a top-tier quarterback. I mean, he's been a turnover-prone guy since he's been playing there. All of a sudden this year, he's got 16 touchdowns passing to just two interceptions. And you add what he's got on the ground. I mean, he's not a huge threat on the ground for them. I mean, he can can take it and and do some things whenever he has to. He's got a rushing touchdown. But uh, that, that's the difference to me is that Kellen Mond is taking care of the football, uh, you know, letting his playmakers go make plays. And it's, it's been the big difference for them, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and South Carolina is not a good team, but to go and beat them like that, Ooh, that's yeah. that's impressive. They they've still got some pretty talented guys on that South Carolina roster, but man, the Aggies just might be legit. Damn it! I guess <laughs> I guess we'll just have to accept it. <laughs> All right, Ted. Let's move on to our segments and let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or lower energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic at Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection all right ted who do you have as your winner of the weekend i'm going with maryland and i know that's i know that's random and it's like well why in the world would you go with maryland and it's plain and simple for me which by the way they're two and one but they get a nice win over uh penn state but the real key for me is that they got Tua's little brother, and he's out there tearing it up right now. Somehow, and I don't, I don't get it, but Maryland's name has come up with a bunch of transfer quarterbacks. It came up with Jalen Hurts. It came up with, uh, I think, De'Eric King. And they landed Tua's brother, and he's – from what I've seen, I've just seen highlights now, which, you know, you don't always see the bad. But he looks great. Throws a great ball, athletic, avoiding people in the pocket, and leads Maryland to a nice win over Penn State. And just like that, you've got Michigan and Penn State now taking multiple losses. And what we thought was going to be a – throw Minnesota in there too. What we thought was going to be a – a really good Big Ten conference. They look like crap right now, and some of the lower-tier teams are looking good and have some really good quarterback play with uh, Tonga Vailoa and Penix there at, at Indiana. It's fun to see. Yeah, a uh, little new blood, right? You yeah. know, kind of shaking things up. You got Shiano at Rutgers. Like, Rutgers isn't quite as easy as an out as they've been lately, which is he's going to do what he always does: is just make them a pain in the ass by being a pain in the ass. 
Yes, I mean, that's that is a perfect description of a Greg Schiano <laughs> football team. I no, no one's ever said it better than that, but uh, I know what you mean. And and clearly the uh, the Mike Loxley connection with what he did at Bama and now what he's doing at Maryland. Uh, I think they'll they'll get some players because he was known as a hell of a recruiter, and you know he he did run that offense there at Bama, but they had so much success. And uh, I think if, I think it, do you say it Talia? I haven't heard, I've heard it. I've heard to his brother's name pronounced like six different ways. Yeah. So, I've also heard their last name pronounced six different ways. So I stick with to his little brother. There you go. Okay. So to his little brother, he is coming along and it's fun to watch. All right. Ted, who I feel do you have bad as your... for him because that's how probably everyone refers to him. Uh, but yeah. Um, Loser for me, it, it, it has to be the Dallas Cowboys fans. It has to be the Dallas Cowboys fans. This year, you, it is what it is at this point, okay? You, you've had some injuries. You know what it's going to be. You're not going to win anything. I guess, technically, you could win the uh, NFC East right now, as horrible as that is, but you, you just got to hang on for small victories here and there. So you're one of the worst teams in all of football, and you happen to be playing the best team in all of football, undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. And, oh, my God, we've got a chance to win this thing. Are you kidding me? we got a chance to win the football game against the Steelers. Who would have thought all the Cowboys fans are locked in Oh, my God, they're going to do it. And no, no, they're not going to do it. It's going to end in a total disaster, just like it has every other game this year. I feel horrible for Dallas Cowboys fans. Um, but I guess, you know, this is something that they've grown used to, so maybe it's not that bad after all. But it still is uh, – I got to tell you, watching the Dallas Cowboys as not a fan of them is – probably the greatest thing in sports it is always <laughs> interesting every single weekend without fail it's the greatest soap opera ever written and now i've told you that i actually hate the dallas cowboys uh, i have a personal vendetta against that franchise but i have signed up for a one-year fandom because blake bell is playing for them this season um i found myself cheering for garrett gilbert as that game was going on, and I was like, what the hell is happening to me? Uh, now, of course, CeeDee Lamb, some big plays in that game, most of them good, one of them very bad, changed the momentum of that game with that fumble. But it was a really good football game. There, there yeah. was a lot going on, and you're right, man. It, it was like, they're going to win. Holy shit, they're going to beat the Steelers, the best team in football. And then – that fourth quarter, and you got to give the Steelers credit about that fourth quarter comeback. Uh, yeah. They they did what great teams do. They didn't play well, but when the game was on the line, they figured it out, and they got the win. Yep, and that late interception looked just like you thought it would look whenever, I don't know what you would call him, the fifth-team quarterback, fourth-team quarterback, whatever. Um he made some nice plays getting him down the field, and then pff, horrible. But 
it was fun for me watching it, man. I'm telling you, it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, all right, Ted, my winners and losers brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual in my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless when the internet companies work. But how about this? Sound Advice did the stuff at my mother-in-law's, and we're rolling, baby. How about that? Awesome. Let's go. So for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. All right, so you mentioned that Cowboys-Steelers game. My winner of the weekend was the NFL late window. Because, right, you, you had the Cowboys-Steelers, and we already, we already talked about that one, but it was a shockingly great game where one team was favored by 14 points. <laughs> like, that just doesn't <laughs> Which happen. Which is rare in the NFL for someone to be favored by that much. Which is the ultimate disrespect, but you mentioned the poor Cowboys. Man, uh, Garrett Gilbert even had a chance on that last play, right? And not the best throw I've ever seen in that situation, but the rough year for the Cowboys continues. But they did give the best team in the league a hell of a game, and it was fun. So you had that game. Then you had the Raiders-Chargers game. The Chargers thought they won on the last play of the game, right? They throw the goal line fade, which I absolutely despise, but... Of course, they didn't actually catch that. It was incomplete because no one finds ways, ways to lose games like the Chargers. It's unbelievable how they find ways to break their hearts fan. Their hearts fans, their fans' hearts. That's what I meant. But it, it's, it's unbelievable what Anthony's, Anthony Lynn's team has done when it comes to losing games. Like I, I feel so bad for Herbert. He's been so good. Dude, and they just can't be. win. Awesome. He's, he's got some talent, man. I like watching him. He's fun. And then, so you had, you had those two games, and then, of course, you had the Dolphins, Cardinals in that late window, and that was fun, too. Uh, Tua and Kyler were both great. It was a hell of a quarterback duel. And, Teddy, you called it. The Dolphins' defense was the difference, right? And the Dolphins yeah. got a big win, and all of a sudden, you start talking about coaches, and, and I know Mike Tomlin probably leading – you know, coach of the year discussions, but Brian Flores, I'm just saying that dude can coach his ass off. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of the, uh, well, I mean, they're not there yet, but you know, Belichick's had some disciples leave and go try and coach elsewhere and not have a whole lot of success. And it looks like Flores is off to a really good start. Um, he's an interesting guy, has some interesting ways it's no cakewalk down there in Miami. He makes it really tough on those guys. And you can tell that that, that is a tough, disciplined football team. I like the way they play right now. Yeah, Dolphins are turned into a good football team. The Miami Dolphins are 5-3, and three, yeah. in case anyone was wondering. And all of a sudden, Buffalo's a hell of a football team, too. Buffalo beats Seattle, um, puts up, like, 600 yards of offense on the Seattle defense, who's horrible, but 
Yeah, when the Patriots have taken a bit of a dip, they're, the other teams in the, the AFC East have said, okay, it's our turn. And they look like they're going to be pretty solid here for the future. Yeah, they're like, don't worry, guys. We got this. But all three of those games in the late window were really, really good. And, of course, NFL Red Zone Channel was popping again. It was Triple awesome. Triple box, baby. Let's go. Triple box that thing, Hanson. Give it to me. Let's go. All right, my loser of the weekend. Now, uh, I thought about going with all of us because we got the awful news that Alex Trebek passed away. Going to be impossible to replace that guy on Jeopardy. Was a big, big, big part of my childhood. Do uh, they something replace my brother him on Jeopardy? What'd you say? Are they going to replace him on Jeopardy or – I, I, I can't, feel like they I can't said, assume the show is going to just end. They got to put someone. I, I almost feel like I heard like right whenever he was first diagnosed that they were going to continue until he couldn't anymore. And then maybe that was going to be the end of it, but I could be wrong. Oh my God. I, I can't imagine a world without jeopardy. I can't imagine someone else hosting the show. I completely. Okay. Perfect solution. Hologram Alex Trebek, boom, (laughs) solved. Or robot Alex Trebek, boom, solved. I wonder if he's been, because since he's been sick, like all of his free time has been dedicated to just asking questions or I guess actually giving answers for Jeopardy. And he's just going to like, they've got enough questions built in that he's already recorded that they're just going to do that forever. Hey, it's probably, it's probably possible. I mean, when you think about it, but uh, cancer continues to be the absolute worst. But my my loser of the weekend, and this is a little this is a little different. Dan Marino. Now uh, let me explain. So the Ravens, they had a nice win over the Colts. Nice, not, not, there was a really nice uh, tackle attempt from Philip Rivers in that football game. People, if you haven't seen it, go give it a Google. It's worth your time, but. The Ravens had a nice win over the Colts, uh, especially considering all the guys the Ravens were missing in that game. And Lamar Jackson, he started rough in the game, but finished strong. And that win made Lamar Jackson 24-5, and five, I believe. Wow. Or maybe it was 20. No, it was 25-5. and 25-5 and five in his first 30 starts. Tying Dan Marino for the best start by a QB in his first 30 starts since 1996. So I was like, man, Dan Marino must have been, I mean, that's a pretty legit start. That's impressive. So uh, I'm watching the Chiefs game, and, and Patrick Mahomes had four touchdown passes, bringing him to 101 passing touchdowns through just 40 regular season games, breaking a record held by, Dan Marino. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, so, so I hear the, and it's like a short span where I hear these two things. I'm like, what the hell's happening with Dan Marino today? So I, I went down a rabbit hole and the reason he's my loser of the week is yeah, his records got broken this week, but people don't talk enough about how good Dan Marino was. I know. I mean, cause we talk about Brady and Montana and Manning. I, I get it. I know he didn't win any super bowls, but, 
this dude was incredible. And people just forget to talk about it. When that like greatest quarterback conversation comes up, Dan Marino needs a little more respect. I'm just saying the guy's numbers are unbelievable, Ted. No, I agree. And you got to remember, he threw 101 passing touchdowns through his first 40 regular season games back whenever offenses were like you could destroy receivers all over the field as long as the ball wasn't in the air. And you could destroy quarterbacks. You could destroy quarterbacks. You could light them up. You could hit them late. Uh, If they threw an interception, everyone on the defense was hunting the quarterback down to go annihilate them. That throwing 101 passing touchdowns in that era is way different than doing it now. I mean, it's never easy. Obviously, that's why it's the record. But that's that's pretty impressive that that record has stood that long. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think Marino did it in like 44 games. So that just shows you what a freak show Patrick Mahomes is. is. But I I was like, huh, Dan Marino. What a weekend for old Dan Marino. And then I, I do want to point out that I just tried to say that uh, Lamar Jackson was 24 and five in his first 30 starts, even though I saw 24 that on there. plus five is uh, it equals 29. Did but he I have figured a tie? It out on the fly. Did he have a tie or something, maybe? No, I think I just messed it up. I think I just typed it out wrong, okay. wrote it down wrong. Yeah, no, I'm just an idiot. It's fine. He tied, uh, he tied Marino in his first 30 starts in only 29 starts. Amazing. How about that? incredible (laughs) that Lamar Jackson incredible all right Teddy let's wet the beak and that's brought to you by Tim Hughes custom homes are you looking to build your dream home if so Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for Tim Hughes custom homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs he can find you a lot he can find you an architect he'll find you financing and of course he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it sounds too good to be true well Tim found my wife and me a lot he found us an architect and built our new house Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit Tim Hughes customhomes.com Monday night football well you know I was looking for things for the wet the beak segment and I was like we always do Monday night football and then I saw that it was the two and five New England Patriots traveling to MetLife to take on the 0 and 8 New York Jets and I was like is there anything else maybe like European soccer or something like something we could just make up but I was like you know what We'll stay with it. And, Teddy, I'm not sure what America did to deserve this, but I, I, I guess we're, we're being punished because the, the lack of talent at the wide receiver position for the Patriots is truly astounding. And Cam Newton's passing struggles continue. Now, you would expect the Patriots to rely heavily on Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, I think, coming off IR, right? And then for the Jets, you've got Sam Darnold. They said he's not starting, which I assume means he's not going to play at all with that shoulder. So that means we get Joe Flacco on Monday Night Football. Yes, that Joe Flacco. How many people Flacco. are saying, I didn't know he's still in the NFL. Look if you're Joe. wondering, 
Joe Flacco plays for the Jets. Yes, and I believe this is his third start of the year for the Jets, but the Jets offense is in, you know, I, I, I'm trying to find a good word. It, it's just bad. It's bad. It's shitty. It's not good. Whatever you want to call it, uh, they can't score. And the Patriots are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, even though they're struggling right now. That is how bad Adam Gase and the Jets are. That's how bad they are. And I guess when I look at the line, I'll take the points and pray that the Jets and Joe Flacco keep it within a touchdown or so. I, I was looking for any reason to be excited about this football game. And I, I, I really couldn't find one. And it made me sad because I love Monday night football. You know, here's the like thing. Like the Patriots. <laughs> I'm a Patriots guy. Um, this looks like a horrible football game. But you know how this works, Gabe. You know how it works in the NFL. That even whenever it looks like the most boring matchup you could ever imagine, why in the world would you ever want to watch this horrible football game? It'll come down to the final play, and it's, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Even though we're not going to have a bunch of offensive firepower out there, I think it'll still be a fun football game. I'm with you. Give me the points. Um, Cam Newton looked so good the first couple of games and has looked – I mean, you know whenever they say, like, players don't tank, like you can't you – can't, no one ever asks the players to go out and try to lose the football game. Some of the throws Cam Newton has been let, let rip. It looks like he's trying to lose the football game on purpose. <laughs> he's missing receivers like a guy will run an out route and he'll bounce pass it to him 10 yards short. It's amazing how horrible he is throwing the football right now. He looks like a high school kid trying to throw it to these receivers out there. It's, it's dreadful. So I don't know how in the world he looks so good. I know he got banged up. And then now looks so horrible, but I'm with you. Give me the nine and a half, and let's have a close football game at the end. Yeah, you, you mentioned Cam Newton's struggles. You want my uh, my conspiracy theory? Yes. Oh God, dude, I love conspiracy theories. You know that he did get corona. Uh, it's gotten to his brain. <laughs> wow, that's a good point. No, huh? he was really good till he got the Rona. He was. He – you've seen – have you watched – I know I watch way more of the Patriots. Like, I've, I've been a glutton for punishment this year. But it's – it is horrible. He looks horrible. I can't even explain how bad he looks. It is awful. And I don't know why all of a sudden he started looking like that. Other than, yeah, missing practice time. And I don't know. It's horrible. It's horrible. Is it horrible? <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we're still going to watch it because it's Monday Night Football. That's, right. That's what we do. We're football guys. We watch Monday Night Football. It, it's going to be fine. And I'm with you. I, I thought the Steelers-Cowboys game wasn't going to be a good game. And look at how that one turned out, Ted. Exactly. That's my point. That's what we're going to have here. Uh, you're going to be expecting the worst thing you've ever seen, and it'll come down to the final possession. Perfect. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. 
And that is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A school is a reason. Okay, I'm going to start that one over. Here we go. <laughs> okay, you can do it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Keep It at Local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available for more information. Visit bmchs.org. So, nailed it. want to point that out. Nailed it. So, I did have someone, I, I won't say who it was, but I had someone go, you know, like, when you mess up on the podcast, why don't you just edit that out? And I was like, <laughs> because I am what I am. That was the text <laughs> I sent back. I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, hey there's no do not sugarcoat anything the mess ups it's authentic right it's authentic and people have no idea how hard it is to edit some of that out <laughs> it takes a lot of time and i just i would right, I, I don't want to lie to the I listeners right i could i could take it like some people would uh, like probably restart their podcast 500 times we just roll with it baby yeah we are what we are come on it's fine. All right. Now, the NBA Players Association uh, approved a plan for a 72-game season that would start December 22nd. Now, they still need to figure some of the details out for free agency, but it sounds like free agency will start very shortly after the draft, which is November 18th, and it sounds like training camp for all NBA teams will start December 1st, of course, this affects the Oklahoma City Thunder, but it also makes you realize, like, it it seems like the Thunder should really get on that whole hiring a coach thing, Teddy. Like, uh, this is is coming up. It's right around the corner. (laughs) It's almost like everyone went on vacation, and it's like, oh, we're starting in three weeks? Huh, I didn't notice that. Uh, Wow, training camp coming up on us quick we may want to want to hire somebody i i don't know why they haven't hired anyone i don't i haven't even heard any names i i have nothing i've got nothing for you i don't know what's going on you tell me why have they why have they not hired anyone yet because sam presti is finding the most hipster coaching hire that he can possibly find right now i'm guessing one of those uh uh, music fans that love to listen to music that no one else has ever heard of. So he's going to pick a coach that no one else has ever heard of. He, he's not going to, Teddy, he's not going to pick a coach that's on its fifth album. He's looking for like <laughs> a, you know, a first album, like recorded in the garage type of guy. Indie, indie album. Yeah. That's yeah, great. I, the only guy I'd heard is about uh, one of the guys that, you know, coached over in Australia, right. That was, you know, he, you know, I think he was part of the net staff as well as another one. But uh, I mean, that was the only guy that I had heard really anything about. And that was just, you know, a couple of different ESPN reports. So I don't Becky know, man, Hammonds? but what'd you say? The, uh, I've heard Becky Hammond's name come up a couple of different times from San what Antonio. Would you, I, I think that would be really cool. 
I mean, I honestly have no idea. I don't know what her coaching skill is. I mean, I think everyone has said that she's competent and she knows what she's doing. Um, here's the thing. And the Thunder are about to go through a rebuilding phase that's probably going to be pretty brutal. Um, if you march her out there through that, you'll be the first team to hire a woman as your NBA coach, which is great, but you're also going to be the first team to fire a woman's uh, a, a female coach, which opens up all kinds of, they shouldn't have given her this job. You know, they set her up to fail. And I don't know if she's capable of doing the job. I got no problem, but if you're just doing it to do it, then that's not really, I don't know. I I don't think that gets us anywhere. So I don't know. I honestly don't know. I have no, I can't really speak to because I don't know her coaching level, but Everything I've heard has been positive, but you just never know. Yeah, and then uh, the guy I was talking about, his name is Will Weaver. He was the coach of the Sydney Kings uh, over there in Australia. He has worked under Brett Brown in Philadelphia and then under Kenny Atkinson also in Brooklyn. So I guess he's a serious candidate. So we'll see, but – uh, I say reminder. that it's, we're paying Chris Paul $40 million that we should have him coach the team to just not play the, and coach. That's not the worst idea in the world, right? Player coach. Yeah. I mean, he's getting $40 million. Earn it. You know what? What could go <laughs> wrong when you just say, hey, you're getting $40 million. Earn it. Uh, reminder. Uh, well, I mean, that's me saying that. Presty may approach it a little bit different. Hey, We've got a great idea for you. We I got think this only idea. a guy like you would be able to handle something like this. Chris, you know how everyone was saying that you were pivotal with everything <laughs> that happened in the bubble? I, I've got a way that you can be a true trailblazer, a revolutionary. Here we Has there ever – I'm sure there's been a player coach. I, didn't Bill Russell do that at some point? Uh, I – I think so. I think there's been a couple of guys do it, honestly. But LeBron basically does it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Well, Chris Paul, to a certain degree, has basically done it. Yeah. I mean, mean, if if your Sam Presti impression needs, like, you've got to tell Chris Paul that he's got some intrinsic value to him, you know? (laughs) I know at first this may not sound like uh, something you'd want to do, but there is some intrinsic value. Just think about it. <laughs> but uh, a reminder that uh, Gallinari, Nerlens Noel, and Andre Robertson will all be free agents whenever free agency starts. And uh, just another reminder that Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Terrence Ferguson, and Chris Paul are – Definitely pieces that the Thunder wouldn't mind trading. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, but a lot of unknown for the Thunder. But we know one thing: 72 game schedule. It's going to start December 22nd. We'll see if we get some Christmas basketball here in Oklahoma City. I'm also curious to see what the fan situation is going to be. That uh, that sounds. Like and I, I was reading because they're not stuff. going back to the bubble, right? I mean, 
I was reading some stuff about how the NBA is, you know, trying to spread some of those losses with, you know, what they're doing with some of the players' contracts when it comes to escrow and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this sounds very complicated. <laughs> so we'll see, man. It's uh, – I from what I've gathered, it sounds like they want to do everything possible to ensure that not this upcoming season, but that the next season is straight up normal. So what that means, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm scared. I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie, but uh, we'll see because I love going to the Thunder games. It's one of my favorite things, but uh, we shall see. All right, Ted, episode 58 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.